Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. I'm Ron Carruthers, that is Dominic Cummins, and pretty much every Friday for about 10 to 12 Fridays in a row, um, we do a show here called the Make More, Keep More show where we discuss all things money and mindset and um, how to make more of it, how to keep more of it. And you can find the back shows on makemorekeepmoreshow.com. And then generally after 10 or 12 weeks, we call that a season. We take a couple weeks off and then we're back at it. So um, last week we talked a lot about leadership and getting your mind right. I think today we've just got so much stuff going on in the economy, news, everything that we figured we just kind of have a shotgun show to chat about everything that's going on in the world. So um, that's what you're getting today. Should you choose to stick around? And I recommend that you do. Yes. So anyway, Dominic, how have you been before we get to our business at hand? I have been doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Uh, Busy week, uh, gearing up for some of that leadership training you talked about last week. So I've got to uh, kick off next week for one of the big ones and uh, had a good, uh, had an interesting, uh, leadership training this week with a team that's uh, in the EMEA region, um, you know, Europe, ba- basically like Eastern Europe, which is lots going on there. So doing some leadership discussion around those guys was a fascinating topic. There was people there who were hide in hiding currently. And I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was wild. Like crazy. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear other people's perspectives or, or just hear what's going on in other people's lives. And it gives you perspective. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Kind of so what is so what is going on? What are the people that are in hiding doing? I mean, as much as you can tell us. Yeah, uh, one of the off. Sure. Yeah. No. So <clears throat> one of the people uh, was of conscription age uh, in Russia. And so and he's a leader within the organization. Nice guy um, had to get out of out of the area and is currently uh, in somewhere to not be disclosed. Actually, I, I have no idea, which is probably a good idea. Um, <laughs> so it was not disclosed. Where so it was, yeah, it was it was not disclosed uh, where he was. And, you know, to try to get out of there for for not to be conscripted into the army to have to go into the Ukraine. So uh, just, just interesting, you know, the team trying to get together, you know, and have still run the business and, you know, life goes on for a huge corporation, but uh, the individuals running that corporation have major stuff to deal with. So it was kind of fascinating. Interesting. Yep. Super, super interesting. My week was not near that interesting (laughs) because the big excitement of mine was a, um, I had to drive my car still. It's back now. I got my car back yesterday. For those of you who have been following my car blew an engine, um, very conveniently, I might add in a parking lot (laughs) of my favorite deli that I go to like twice a week. And actually, as I was pulling into the parking spot, so it was the most convenient blown engine I think anybody's ever had in the history of man. And then they had to go to Germany to get another engine for it, which takes time. So I finally got my car back. That was <laughs> that was the high point. You're saving people's lives while they're in hiding and getting their <laughs> leadership going. And I was excited because I got my car back. However, we did finish all but the last stragglers of our um tax clients so i i'll be catching up on 
creative work and writing blog articles and things like that over the weekend as opposed to filing tax returns. So, Well, then that means you might um, be able to attend Monday Night Football. I'm just saying. I, I can't do that. I am so sorry. I have to bail on you for that. There's something that they screwed me on that I can't get out of. Ugh. Yeah. Dominic and I, Dominic has Charger season tickets, and the one game I wanted to go to at the beginning of the season was the Monday Night Football game, mainly because I like night games. And um, yeah, I'm gonna if I'm gonna have to pass on that one. So sorry. Oh, um, what else is going on in the world? Where do we even start with oh, what's man. going on in the world? <laughs> nuclear war. I think nuclear war is out of our pay grade. Yeah, so I don't think that's that one. one. We touch we'll on so much. Assume that the leveler heads will prevail here, and somebody will talk some sense into somebody, and that'll get itself worked out. But we've got the consumer price index shot up again, as anybody, I think, with half a brain could have told you from just being out in the open. Um, just filling one of our cars the other night was like 120 bucks, And it's a car that normally, pre all of this, I think, cost about $70. That's the first time I'm really like, whoa, this is out of control. We've got the stock market. I didn't see what it did yesterday. I think it came up on Wednesday. Stock market tanking. PayPal absolutely shooting themselves in the foot with some of their dumb stuff that they did. So, man, where do we even start, Dominic? So many places that we could go. Uh, I think it's interesting just for a reminder, though, because you you said you got a tax deadline coming up, right? Is it October 17th is the official? So if, if you have not it's filed the your taxes... It's the 15th officially, but anytime the 15th falls on a weekend, it, it gets kicked to the following Monday. So if you guys haven't done that, the I, I will say one thing. The IRS is enforcing. Let's start there, actually, then. The IRS is starting to enforce failure to file and failure to pay penalties again. They kind of waived those for 19 and 20. So if you were behind, you had until the end of September to get caught up. But now they're like, OK, guys, COVID's over. Quit screwing around. So even if you do, you have not filed your taxes and you can do a fairly haphazard job of getting those taxes together that's going to turn around and at least you can go back you have three years to clean them up and amend them obviously if you know you're going to owe them a bunch you don't necessarily want to deliberately underfile and then owe money later and no it's not because i work for the irs i don't I, I don't like them it's because they come back and they will penalize you for that but the other big deal here is this is the time to plan for next year for your 2022 taxes. Now, it doesn't mean you have to get every one of the, um, you don't have to get all your receipts in order, although it would really help because now you can make decisions going forward. But let me give you a perfect example. If you own a Schedule C business and you want to claim a portion of your residence as a home office, government allows that. It's a write-off to you. It's great. It works good. But if you're an S corporation with a home office, you cannot go through and just, when you're doing taxes, be like, oh, yeah, I want to take the write-off. Because what you have to do is write a check for that amount to reimburse from the business to you personally to reimburse yourself. So we had, I cannot tell you how many new clients we took on that came to us after the end of the year so during tax season that had escorts that nobody took a home office deduction and it wasn't like in you know like for one family was asking well can we go back and write the check now 
for last year, I'm like, look, we can, but then your personal returns aren't going to be done because now we have to go amend your business returns, which we can't do without doing the other. So look, we can do it, but nothing's then the personal won't be done on time. So just keep in mind, and I'll be posting and recording videos and posting blog articles and stuff about last minute tax things you can do really for all of the rest of Q4. But just keep in mind that it's much easier to do that stuff before the end of the year. And you want to know where your number's at so you can know where you're going to fall in the brackets and then move into the next year ready to go, if you will. And that's the best way to plan your taxes. So that was my little rant about that. Well, so the, uh, the, got, so the advice oh, would be is book an appointment with your tax advisor before the end of the year <clears throat> and really get 100%. something. Don't call it Monday because, I mean, we're all kind of in there. We just happen to to pull some crazy long nights getting ahead of it just so we could go into the weekend and actually shift gears next week into our planning meetings for our families. But um, yeah, this is don't call your guy on Monday or gal. Give him till Thursday or Friday to get over their hangover um, and then book an appointment to sit down and chat with them. And even if they charge you extra for it, like we build it into the price for our clients, but even if they charge you extra for it, that should save you money. You can be proactive, not reactive, which if you listen to our show a lot, is kind of everything that we talk about here is being, how do you take control of your life in every aspect, whether it's getting clients for your business or whether going out on your own, whether it's getting your money right or all are getting your mind right. It's all about taking control and being proactive in all areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I saw a great quote I'm going to throw out there, uh, throw online. It's not over when you lose. It's over when you quit. <laughs> I was like, dang, I hadn't seen that one before. I like that one. So anyway, that's that's kind of your update on the taxes. As far as tax changes for next year, since we're on this subject, if you guys will stay with me for another minute or two. Um, I don't see any major ones. The biggest one is that in the next few years, the estate tax exemption is going away. Mm. Um, so any of you guys that own small businesses or have a lot of real estate, remember the government gets to determine what you, what you, um, what the value of your stuff is. And then it's up to you to kind of fight them differently and um, prove differently. So even if you, you don't think you have a big estate in a few years, they're going to start taxing at a million, million and a half dollars. Now, it's government. They can turn around and change that again and bless their black little hearts. They do that a lot. But um, that is something to be paying attention to on the horizon. It's a big deal. And the, the, the Trump era tax cuts and jobs act, those provisions, which were good, although a lot of people didn't realize it are set to expire in um, 2025. So those are, I don't see any big changes other than they hired a bunch of agents to step up enforcement and auditing that's really the i don't see anything huge on the horizon now hasn't there i seem to remember correct me if i'm wrong or actually just tell me because I, I actually don't remember but i feel like way back in the day like maybe right around 2000 or something or uh, there was a chime when that they were as a whole freak out that the state tax exemption was going to go away altogether and then last minute it came back is that sort of this type of situation or did i get that wrong so actually really interesting story. This is how Bernie Sanders became famous because there were four billionaires 
in 2000 or 2010, hold on, let me look it up real quickly, um, that all died in the year that the estate tax totally went away. George Steinbrenner, the uh, owner of the Yankees. Right. Uh, Might have been 2000 because the estate tax, I'm uh, just looking up the uh, rates over the years, and it was $5 million or zero in 2010. No, check this out. It was 2010. The whole thing went away. Right. So there were five, four billionaires that died, Steinbrenner being one of them, that cost the government, according to the government, six and a half billion dollars, just those four individuals of what they would have collected had they not. And that's really what launched Bernie Sanders to the national spotlight, because Bernie got out there, eh, they need to pay. I can't do a good Bernie impression. Sorry, guys. That was terrible. Um, yeah, I, I actually, if I had more coffee, I can. I'm just like, I'm, I'm mentally not capable this morning. But another day, I will give you guys my Bernie impression. I do a lot of good impressions. The only one I cannot know is I cannot get Trump down. And God knows I've tried. But my Bernie one on, an, on another day will be good. But that's what made Bernie famous was he came out with, look, these rich, greedy billionaires are taking your money. And they're not giving it to the people and they're keeping it for their families, you know, which when you when you hear it said, you're like, well, yeah, that's kind of a point. Like you guys didn't make that money. They did. Um, and I have a buddy who's a diehard Red Sox fan who swears George Brenner is secretly alive somewhere. I mean, George Steinbrenner is secretly alive somewhere. He just faked his death to get out of it. And he did die in the middle of the year. So he could have been like. And, and he died in Tampa, so he could have snuck over to one of the other islands and be living very happily with Elvis and Bigfoot. I, I don't know. Yes. But, yeah, so that's really something. And, again, even since 2010, the government's another $15 trillion in debt. So I think at some point they're going to turn around and really begin to sharply drop down that estate tax. Um you know, in the guise of equity or whatever label they want to give it. Sure. So I would be looking ahead to that because, again, if you have a small, closely held business, they can turn around or a bunch of real estate, they can turn around and you have eight or nine months from the day your your parent or your, um, you know, grandparent passes away to write that check and right. a lot of you know real estate is illiquid and a small business is illiquid so a lot of families really jam themselves up and i've been taking a lot of classes on this so you've been hearing a lot more about advanced ways of getting around all that or mitigating it or paying it off for pennies on the dollar or financing life insurance so you don't have to come up with the premiums for it someone else pays it for you there's a lot of interesting things there yeah, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but it's funny you just mentioned that whole thing about like stuff being tied up in real estate. I sent you an article. <clears throat> I know you've been buried under this, but I saw it. I thought it was just worth, worth bringing up is the headline. Uh, it was an, an article here in L.A., but it could have been nationwide for all I know. But uh, 39-year-old millionaire shares why he regrets paying off his two home mortgages. And I'll sum up the article so you guys don't have to read it. But basically, it comes down to the fact something that Ron has spoken about quite a bit. We've talked about a lot on the show is paying down your mortgage isn't necessarily a great idea because what happened is when they wanted to move that for some family reasons, they, they decided they wanted to go somewhere. They couldn't easily move those houses. They were stuck because their their net worth was tied up in the houses. And at the time, based on the circumstances around, even though he was, you know, did well financially, he couldn't get that money. 
So it really, it's his said, I felt trapped, which is interesting. And uh, I just thought it was maybe worth bringing up, even though we've talked about it a few times, but you brought that up with the estate stuff is sometimes that, you know, that estate passes on to the next person and the, the, the bulk of the estate, which is fairly typical, but the, the bulk of the estate is in some form of uh, non-liquid asset. Um, so planning for that's really, really important, but also not being in a race to pay off your mortgage is also really important. Liquidity is a big deal. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing a lot with this market, and I probably got asked five times this week was, and that's just this week, not last week, not the week before, not any of that is what should I be doing differently? Mm -hmm. You know, the markets are terrible. What should I be doing? And um, the answer is really, in my opinion, nothing if you have a solid plan to begin with. So, for instance, we've had several people that have come to me that are like, hey, I just the markets made me so nervous. I stopped contributing to my 401k. And again, you guys, if you're familiar with the concept of dollar cost averaging, we'll come back to mortgage on this in a minute. If you're familiar with the cost of dollar, uh, the concept of dollar cost averaging, it simply says, hey, Putting money into wealth growing vehicles over an extended period of time while you are working is great, even with the ups and downs, because when it's down, you're buying your dollar is buying more shares. When it's up, your dollar is buying less shares, but it doesn't matter because you're happy because your whole account's up. So you don't necessarily want to change. Now, if you're 55 and all of your money's in the stock market, and you want to retire at 60, we got a problem. We need to right. do some rebalancing. But even that, even with the market down, there's things we can do right now that will tweak it and um, that, that'll get you out of trouble. Um, the other thing that this has really highlighted is the importance of having, and, and I don't know that we've spent enough time on it, I don't know that we ever could, is you want to have steady income in retirement that is not dependent on the market or you are going to spend your retirement um, watching the markets and worrying about the markets and making decisions based on the markets, which is the absolute worst thing. I mean, look, I do this for a living and I check in a couple times a week and I'm a financial advisor. I don't look at the markets every day because we set our clients up so we don't have to and they don't have to. So, and you buy that income if you don't have a job where you have a pension. So there, you know, pensions come in three forms, public, private, asset-backed. Public are things like social security, or if you work for a school district or uh, your firefighter, like um, the guys you're going to go do some stuff on. Part of what they do is they sacrifice pay for what they would likely get if they went out into the private world for really good benefits. And one of the biggest benefits is the ability to not only retire, but generally retire pretty early with almost full pay. Sure. And in some cases they turn around and go on to work at another fire district while collecting pension off the one. And look, if that they allow that, that's smart. That's public pension. Private pension is back in the old days. If you used to work for companies, the company would provide those for you. I have to keep an eye out here. I was fighting a possum, by the way, in the middle of the night that was that my wife forgot to shut the chicken door. And so it got in and was trying to eat one of my chickens. Mm -hmm. So here's me with the ray. Like, get away, little dude. Get away. And chasing him off and stay gone. And then I'm looking at the chicken. I'm like, what are you doing sleeping on the floor, you dumbass? 
you know, jump up on the bar with your friends. You're going to get eaten. Anyway, I think the the audience really would like to see video of that. So if your security cameras pick any of that up, uh, <clears throat> you and a hoodie and some boxers out there fighting off your fighting off a raccoon. I think we all want to see that. I actually that. was still dressed for work because I was still working and I was drinking a martini, which I normally don't do on a school night. So I first went out with the martini and then I'm like, ah, shoot, stupid possum. And I'm like yelling at him so he doesn't eat the chicken while I run and put the martini down and grab the rake and the flashlight. But um, private pension is what your company would offer you. And then asset backed is what you turn around and you go purchase and you turn around and you give money more. And let me give you an idea of just how freaking crazy the, the math is on this. And then now they're guaranteeing that you get an income for the rest of your life that increases, or if you're married, as long as one of you is alive, we have a client that's 28 and switching jobs. She's a travel nurse and she's got like 50,000 in one of her 401ks, which is pretty good for a 28 year old, right? Yeah. Uh, and she has other money, so she's doing great. But if we turn around and purchase an asset backed pension with that, at 60, that pension will start kicking off about $90,000 a year for the rest of this girl's life. One $50,000 deposit. Now, what that does for her. And obviously, it doesn't look as good if she waits until she's 40 or 50, but it still works like a charm. It takes pressure off all of her other money so she doesn't have to liquidate shares while you're down. In aviation, one of the very first things they teach you is if you got to point your plane at the ground, you pull the power back it immediately while you're in a nose down attitude, they call it, because otherwise you're going to overspeed the airplane and you can't pull out. We have a skydiving company right over here that's crashed two airplanes this year because they're young, <laughs> hot shot pilots. We're trying to play games and, you know, like overspeed the airplane and then they couldn't pull out of the dive and they crashed. And in one case, nobody died. And in one case, nobody did. But it's the same with your money. If your money's dropping, 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 and you're having to pull and pull and pull a bigger percentage to survive, then you, you're going to get into trouble real fast. Sure. And so when you're building this out, even now, no matter what you guys' age are that are listening to this, you need to start thinking because income is what you live on, assets are what you accumulate, and the rules for growing wealth are different than the rules for distributing wealth. And so back to my original point, which is if you're set up correctly in the first place, then you don't have to worry because, and we've had clients retire in the last couple months. Oh, I don't think I should. The markets are down. I'm like, dude, we set you up so you didn't have to worry about that. Like literally feel free to go in tomorrow and flip your desk over and knock everything off and throw your badge at them and, and leave. And they're all like, well, I don't think I'll, I'll do that, but okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I can prove it to them with math. Right. So don't stop contributing to your 401ks. Don't stop planning and strategizing do what you have to do if you're in a tight budget, you know, so you may have to pull back because to account for gas now being twice what it was. But um, good management is good management. And the longest a market has ever been down, it's only happened twice, once in the Great Depression of 29, once in the dot-com meltdown of 2000, 2001, and 2002 is three years. The markets have never gone down for longer than that. 
the average amount of time is like 18 months. And we're like 10 months into it, 12, 11 months into it, depending on which benchmark you're counting from. And um, markets are going to recover eventually. Yeah. So, and well, this comes sooner rather than later. And this comes back full circle to what we talked about is keeping, we've talked about the theme of cash is king. Uh, a lot. And you think about what can you weather if, if you can, can you weather out three years? Probably chances are you have a, well, you have a better chance of being able to weather out a few years of this with cash in hand than making double your mortgage payments and trying to pay your house off quicker. Right. And that is the, and that goes back to the number one rule said by Mark Twain back in the 1800s, which is a banker is a fellow who will lend you his umbrella when the sun is shining and want it back the second it begins to rain. And so, Dominic, you were a banker, um, yeah. you know, and, and you're reformed, which is, why, which is why we're friends. You know, my cousin on Twitter, is her handle is Bankster Slayer. If any of you guys need a laugh, um, she um she's insane okay i love my cousin to death if you're listening because you know i love you but you are a little you know out there and um oh god it was so funny one one lady once posted on twitter she's like i'm so proud of my daughter she's so smart i offered a candy bar and a hundred dollar bill and she just made the right choice because she knew right away which one was more valuable my cousin jumps in and is like the candy bar, right? Because the hundred dollar bill is backed by no, absolutely nothing except the promises of a corrupt federal agency. And I'm like, okay, cuz take it down and it's like, <laughs> take it down. <laughs> the candy, where's the candy bar is real value. And she can actually, get oh, that's awesome. okay, cuz time for you to switch to decaf. Um, by the way, for those of you just joining us, this is the make more, keep more show where we discuss all things, mindset and money making it, keeping it, growing it, paying the least amount of taxes on it. Um, and we let Dominic talk a lot last week. So um, that happens about every two seasons. For those of you who are watching, <laughs> I get I get an episode where I get to talk a little bit more, but it's all good. We'll let you talk more next week. Back to this mortgage thing. So for those of you just joining us, Dominic sent us some an article about a dude in L.A., um, your wife says we need my cousin on the show. <laughs> no, there's a lot of things we'll do. Having my cousin on the show is not one of them. Though we could have your cousin uh, Tiny on the show. He would be awesome. So My cousin Tiny would be hilarious. He's called Tiny because he's 6'5". He's got the Slayer beard. He's tatted top to bottom. He's probably about, what, 340 now? Yeah, and um, funny enough, like, doesn't look fat. He's just a gigantic human being. Like, he's man. just a huge yeah. guy. Well, both him and my... Both him and my aunt. Yeah, I mean, look, if too. you were if you were casting your Viking show and you didn't actually want to go over to Sweden and, or wherever real Vikings come from and no you right. needed them in LA, both my both my aunt and my cousin would be right there. Yep. Anyway, um the back to the mortgage thing for a minute. One of the principles that we try to teach all our clients is we love when our clients have paid off houses. But there's more than one way to pay off a house. And one way is to put extra money at the mortgage. There's actually three ways to do it. And that's the one Dave Ramsey, you know, talks about. But the part that they miss is when you do that, your payment doesn't go down. Your interest rate doesn't get any better. And you have no liquidity to the money. So if you if you did that faithfully for years and then lost your job and you're like, 
hey guys, are you going to get, can you give me some of that extra money back? It's going to be like, no, you know, hell to the no. Now you need it and, and you're, you're a bad risk. So no, we're not going to give it to you. So we always recommend, no, put that in a side fund because of the difference between compounding interest and amortizing interest, you will actually be able to pay the house off faster on a 30 year mortgage where you make the 15 year payment and just put it into a side account than you would if you actually took the 15 year mortgage. Generally, you'll pay it off about a year and a half earlier. You'll have enough money to, to liquidate the 30 year mortgage. Then we go one step further, which is I've got 13 years to work on you to show you that even then you probably don't wanna pay that mortgage off, just have the side account make the payment for you. And now you're not making the mortgage payment. You can go off and do whatever you want, but you have control of the house and you have control of the money and you have put, set yourself up to win. Right. So that's kind of the thought behind it. And again, I'll post that article in stories later this morning about that guy that you sent me. So look for my stories about 10 minutes after, or, you know, 20 minutes or sometime later this morning. Well, I think um, it's an interesting aspect of like, you think about what generally people who are, who are, let's just, just go with the very wealthy um, versus what a lot of us were taught growing up because of our parents and the, you know, post depression era parents or grandparents or whatever, depending on your age. Um, my dad was born in 1920, so I had post depression era parents, but, but you know, the, if you wealthy people tend to save up cash for markets like this, because there will be opportunity, totally. tons of cash in hand, ready to rock and roll. Whereas I think most people like the way my mom and, and others were brought up is let's pay down let's use right now when the when the getting's good let's pay down our mortgage so when things go bad we don't have debt and you know i can understand it from a from a, a certain level but it doesn't offer them the opportunity to do like what you talked about dollar cost averaging earlier right right now you could be buying things at a tremendous discount and yeah they may go down even more but then you'll buy it again at that even more reduced rate and your total you know um net cost, if you will, is, is significantly lower, but you have to have cash. And I think it's not just about the stock market, but even as business owners, I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this group is these market, uh, these, these types of markets represent opportunity to spend money appropriately and, and to be able to buy, buy your competitor potentially who didn't you know, save up well or whatever. This happened at the beginning of COVID where a bunch of it, in, at the time I was working a lot with marketing agencies and marketing agencies were just dropping like flies left and right, but they had a pretty good little client base. So the ones that were pretty successful had some cash in the bank. were just buying them up at, you know, cents on the dollar, buying all those more, those, those marketing agencies and allowing themselves to get more clients and some tech and some people, which is really important. Like they were acquiring the people as well that were really talented at this or that. And you're, that's just a microcosm of the overall market that we are 
these moments as a business owner, be smart. We were saying it for months prior to this, save up cash because the time is coming. Well, now the time seems to be upon us. Time's here. It's yeah. here. Hello. And the last thing you want to do is start to get scarcity minded and go, oh man, I better hold on to a bunch of cash. I mean, obviously hold on to some cash, be smart about it. I'm not suggesting you spend every last dollar, you know, gamble what you can afford to lose kind of thing. But this is the opportunity. And and you and I were talking about this kind of planning for this episode was this idea of if you want to attract certain types of customers, you've got to be that type of customer, right? Like if you want people to spend money with you, it's very hard for you to convince people to spend money on you when you don't spend money on you, for instance, or on your own stuff. So like, are you still doing your coaching programs? Are you still doing those things that you need that help you, <clears throat> excuse me, support model that model that thing you want to, to attract. And if you're scarcity minded, you will likely attract scarcity minded prospects who probably won't turn into customers. Or if your abundance mindset, have abundance mindset, you tend to attract those who have an abundance mindset. I mean, this is sort of the laws of attraction sort of stuff. I'll tell you three very specific moves that I'm making, Dominic. Um, and again, I'll share it with all you guys. Number one is, while we were sitting here, while Dominic was talking, I was mentally calculating. Well, number one, I was I was thinking how badly I need more espressos, which I'm going to get in a moment. Um, and I'm not going to wait till the end of the show because it's my show. Well, it's our show, but I can I do whatever you. I want because I'm an American and I'm free. Um, and right now I want more espresso very badly. But um, I made, I sat here and I'm like, you know what? There's three things I'm going to do. Number one is, I'm going to take a policy loan out of one of my cash value policies today. It'll get here next week and I'm going to throw it in the market. I'm going to give it to my money manager and let him do some stuff with it. That's number one. Um, now I have plenty of money in the market and I have plenty of money out of the market, but that's the, one of the very first things I'm going to do. Second thing is, and I'd had this on my agenda. I just kind of bumped it a couple of times. Um, now that the markets are down, so I'll tell you something very interesting. It's the last two weeks. Um, there's a guy that I share um, an office building with. We don't own the building. We just work in the same building. And I bumped into him and um, like a bunch of times, finally, like, hey, man, what's up? What's your name? Like, I'm Ron. I work over here. This is what I do. Well, it turns out he's one of the, um, he's a wealth manager, but he specializes in pensions. In fact, a couple of you guys on here um, that I've seen flash across, I've introduced you to because he's like, our pension guy and people ask me questions about pensions. I'm like, look, I spend my life telling people not to put their money into them, <laughs> but there's circumstances where, you know, it merits it. So Ed and I bumped into each other in the hallway. He's the guy that does that for me. And I'm like, he knows more about pensions. He's smart in that arena. Like I am in taxes and college and general finance. He's very specialized over there. And he knows how you can, you know, as an owner can stack even more again, you know, to your accounts it doesn't mean you should. And if any of you guys want to be introduced to him, happy to make the introduction. He's a good dude. But he was telling me just the markets have been down since the beginning of the year. But there's an interesting inflection point where everybody collectively decides to freak out at once. And it was interesting because in the 2000, the dot-com meltdown, it was a very slow, like trending down over 36 months or 33 months actually, whereas 2008 was a much sharper decline. And I took more panicked calls in a um, probably 30 day window 
in 2008 than I took in all of 2001 and two. Now, again, my clients, we set them up. So a lot of their money's out of the market, but people are still like, dude, should we be like, am I going to be okay? And like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be fine. So a couple of weeks ago is kind of when that started to kick in for everyone. So bumped in Ed, like, how you doing? Uh, taking a lot of phone calls, you know, having to, having to calm a lot of people down. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting a few of those too. Here's where and why this is the make more, keep more show. Because what I filed away was as soon as I get done with tax season and get caught up on a couple other projects, I'm going to start reaching out to other financial advisors and see if any of them wants to sell their practice. Mm -hmm. Because now there's only so many of those phone calls that somebody that's in that was thinking about retiring anyways is going to take. And then they're like, F it, I'm gone. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm not enjoying this. Kind of like why I get back to you guys. And I'm like, you don't want to be spending your whole retirement looking at the market to determine if you can go to the grocery store or go on vacation. No, that's not living. That's not enjoying what you worked for. The second thing is, this has been an exceptionally bad tax season for a lot of us. And the reason being is the government gave everybody a couple of years where they suspended a lot of the deadlines. Well, now those deadlines came back. So there's a lot of tax professionals that are like, oh my God, I don't ever want to go through this again. So in November and December, I'm going to be trying to buy one financial practice and one, maybe two and one tax practice for sure. Because mm -hmm. I've got a new tax planner that's up and running that, you know, yes, we can gain clients that way, but it, it's a good opportunity for us to, to grow through acquisition as well. So um, anyway, that's kind of the way that we've applied that. Will you talk to the masses and um, for a moment while I go get an espresso and welcome your local craft babies. It's good to see you, sir, <laughs> ma'am. I think we, I think he established for us that his gender was a sir, uh, not a ma'am. But anyway, I'm going to meet myself for a sec, Dominic. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Yeah. And so I think, again, just to kind of piggyback on what Ron was just talking about there is making a plan for the end of the year, which I'm glad he you know, shared some of the stuff that he's looking to do, but making that plan for the, the, what are you going to do? Like, this should be the question that you're asking yourself. Now, if you haven't, you know, saved up cash and, or couldn't for, for whatever reason, then, then, okay, fair enough. But I also think that it doesn't change the fact that you still have to have that, um, abundance mindset. And, you know, this isn't the, you know, woo woo show, uh, it's the make more, keep more show. But the idea being is you have to, uh, still have that mindset of, of I can spend and invest in myself and invest in my business. There was a comment. I don't know if any of you watched, and I'm sorry if you did the terrible Thursday night football game that was on last night. Um, but there was a comment that was made about one of the players cause he's working on, on a, a new contract and just had a pretty lights out game for what ultimately looked like a bad high school game. Um, but he was playing really, really hard and they were like, yeah, look at him investing in himself and really just doubling down on his training and having great games and being able to just do well so that he can get paid. And even the announcers were like, pay the man. That's the kind of mindset though, that you have to have as a business owner in these tough times is continue to invest in yourself, continue to push forward, continue to, um, look for opportunities to invest and, and, you know, be smart about it. But 
uh, buying competitors is amazing. If you have that, you know, some of you have reached out to us. I know you're in like the insurance world and uh, you might be able to do something like that. Uh, you can look for, for great talent that can help you out. You know, there, if somebody, if you're, if you can't buy your competitor, your competitor might have good people working for them that you can steal away. And will you have to pay a little extra for those people that you steal away? Probably, but look how hard it is to find good people. Um, so there's just little ways to invest in yourself when the market is like this, because again, your competitor, if you're, if you're struggling a little bit, your competitor can struggle. And the, one of the, the comments you were, at, we were talking about that leadership thing I did for some folks that, that had employees that were like escaping out of Russia. And I mean, crazy this week, uh, talking about it, but is just kind of, again, understanding that in these moments where we get stress, which a down market, especially one that's continual and on top of it, still have residual COVID effects, right? People still getting COVID. There's still COVID sort of, we certainly have not come out of that overall pandemic scenario, right? So whether your thoughts about COVID or not are irrelevant, it's more of just that there's still an impact to the world today. So you're, you're looking at that stuff's going on. Now you've got the situation with Russia and Ukraine. You know, Ron referenced, we, we are not going to touch on nuclear stuff. I have no idea uh, on that one. But, um, but the, you know, we've got stuff, the constant barrage of bad news. It's really interesting that those of you who know me or watch any of my content over the years know that I spent a lot of time talking about like the, the neuroscience behind how people make decisions. And, and that's what my leadership stuff is based on neuroscience and, and that stuff. If you dig down into that long-term stress on your brain typically causes one of two reactions by people. They either curl up in a ball or they overact to some degree, which they, or act out, I guess would be probably a better way to put it. Like, you know, they overdrink, they overeat, they whatever. But there's also those people who tend to just roll up in a ball on a couch. And if you remember early COVID days, remember those people that you you would know who were like, yeah, man, I haven't, I haven't gotten out of bed. I don't know what to do. Now, I tend towards the overactivity sort of scenario of it. Probably a little too much of the drinking here and there and a little too, too much of the eating <laughs> here and there for sure. But I took I that because I'm unhappy. Yes, I'm unhappy <laughs> because I, I eat. eat. <laughs> so, um, uh, but you can take that energy if you want to and put it into your business, right? Like you can just double down on like, okay, I'm I'm going to take all this excess energy I have, and and you know go after it and try to find new ways. So, Ron talking about acquiring some business businesses, putting some money in the market. Now he's set up for doing that. Again, not everybody here is, but can you do shades of that? You know, can you do small things that are in the similar thing? Take, take a top employee from somebody, steal a few clients from somebody that's, that's your competitor. I mean, any number of things you just, what you can't do is roll up in a ball because that doesn't help anybody. And what and what's interesting about that psychologically, and God knows I'm not a psychologist, so... <laughs> I'm not giving medical advice. I'm, you know, God, God help us all if I tried, but, um, but there is something when you force yourself to take action, especially when you don't feel like it, that you instantly feel better. You know, it is literally the whistling past the graveyard. You're doing something to show you're not scared. 
And so you end up not being scared. So yeah, for those of you just joining, we were, we've been talking all about the craziness in the economy um, as well as the stock market. And those two normally don't necessarily go hand in hand. In other words, just because you have a recession, it doesn't mean prices go down just because you have and that watching kind of the, the White House tap dance around the fact like we don't well, we might see a very small recession. It's like, guys, we're in one that, you, you know, you guys right. can change words, meanings. But for the whole time I've been alive, a recession is two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Um, by the way, the markets are down one and a half percent so far today, uh, down about less than a percent for the week so that's not terrible week kind of stabilizing maybe a little bit we'll see okay. but um but by taking by by you know again back to kind of summarizing what we talked about so far by making sure you have a plan that gives you multiple ways and leaves you liquid one of the other let me come back to retirement for a moment dominic but this applies to to making more as well one of the number one things so i have I have a couple of clients that I adore. Like I, most of my clients are awesome, by the way. I think, I think we're both blessed to work with people that we really enjoy working with. Um, well, that's a choice we make. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. You know what? With the day one, when I went in business, I didn't last very long in corporate world because I'm like, well, you have to be nice to that client. No, that client's a freaking asshole. I don't like them. And then when I went out on my own, that was rule number one was I would not tolerate. I mean, I can tolerate crazy. I can tolerate, you know, um, lots of, lots of, you know, they, n- not everybody needs to be perfect, but we don't tolerate abuse. Neediness is one thing, employee, abusive is another, right? So. Totally. And I've even asked employees, do I need to shoot that person? And occasionally someone's like, I don't want to deal with them. I'm like, great, no problem. Let me take care of this. I need you more than I need them. And that's what I've told the client. Hey, I need my employee that you con- that you're abusing more than I need you. I'm going to refund the unused portion of your fee. I wish you the best. We're done here. And I don't have to do it very often. But but one of the things that I stress with my clients that are getting ready to retire, and particularly this these clients that are already retired that are traveling like crazy. And retirement kind of breaks itself into three categories. And um, I didn't come up with this, but they call them the the go-go years the kind of slow go years and then the no go years. And so when someone first retires, like they're traveling and they're visiting grandkids and they're do 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 just all over the place. And so um, these guys are in the middle of that. They're in Greece right now. They were in Europe earlier this year. They were in Africa last year. They're going up to do branches and and they're just having a great time. What I constantly stress with them is the importance with all my clients of having a buffer asset. What is a buffer asset? Well, it's a place that you can draw money if you need it that doesn't cause taxation and doesn't cause you to have to sell assets, particularly at a loss. So examples of buffer assets would be lines of credit. Margin lines, if you have a stock portfolio, you can throw a margin line on it. So when you access that, you don't have to pay any tax on it, and you don't have to sell anything, particularly if the assets are down. It might be a line of credit on your house. It might be cash. It might be cash inside of a life insurance policy, again, that you can access tax-free, and without your, you still have the value of the, the cash 
growing because you're not borrowing your money, you're borrowing their money and it's secured by um, your money. It might be a reverse mortgage. It might be um, any of those things um, so that you can access money because what we were running up against with them, for instance, is we, we had taken all of their liquid cash that we could without a penalty from one of their accounts. The markets are down for some of their other things because they're just having, you know, they're having a lot of fun this year. And so we, we found a buffer asset for them. In this case, it was we were going to use their credit card because it was less to let a balance sit on their credit card for a couple months and then pull that money in January so we didn't have to pay tax on it this year and bump them into the higher bracket. But that is something to think about because my buffer assets are what are going to let me invest a, a chunk of money into the market next week because it'll take a couple of days for the check to show up. And um, what also... I'm going to use to pay to as a down payment for one of these businesses or two of these businesses that I end up buying. But I wouldn't let that stop me if I didn't have a buffer asset. So I would talk a business into letting me, I, I'm sure that I could talk somebody into letting me take over their business with no money down, mm-hmm. you know, and just pay them a higher interest rate or pay them a little more for the business, you know, if, if Cash or terms, right? My buddy, that's a big time real estate investor. That's what he says. If I give you cash, then I want a really good price. I give you less cash. I'll give you really good terms on the money. Just give me one and I'll work with you on the other. Right. So if you don't have any money and it, the time is right to start taking over some competitors, just use your brains, leverage your charm um, and leverage their pain points if they want out because they don't want to do this anymore and see if you can, um, you know, dominate your industry. What's the, like Conan the Barbarian said, what is best in life to crush your enemies, to see them driven before you and to hear the lamentation of the women. I try to use that quote at least once a week. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, what the heck a, else do we that was a, That was an obscure reference uh, for sure. That was uh, fantastic. Actually. Haven't you guys seen Conan the Barbarian? And my, my aunt's former boss shows up right at the beginning um, because my aunt, when she was alive and he was alive, worked for Franco Colombo, who was Arnold's um, training partner, mm. bodybuilder. He went on to, a, um, on to be a chiropractor and she ran the front office of his chiropractic office. So, and my aunt actually has some really cool stories about that. Franco, first of all, Franco was a super nice man. I, I, you know, I knew him as a kid when we lived up in Santa Monica. We'd also get tickets to the old school bodybuilding show. So I got to meet Arnold and Tom Platts and Frank Zane and those guys. If any of you guys are old enough to remember those old school, old school bodybuilding names. But um, that practice had like Sylvester Stallone used to come in there. Sean Connery was a client of theirs. Um, he had a lot. Lou Ferrigno was in all the time. So my aunt got to meet a lot of those guys. And it actually was a cool time growing up. Joyce DeWitt was one of their patients. If you guys remember her from Three's Company. So I got to go to like the tapings of Three's Company as a kid. I had a very happy childhood. Not going to lie. I'm going to guess um, that there's a good portion of the audience who went. I have no idea. Half of those people he just mentioned. but Yeah, if you guys are under, you know, 40, 45, you're not going to know who any of those yeah, were. Three's Company was one of the hit sitcoms of the um 
of the 70s and it was very funny jack ritter john ritter maybe you guys remember him from bad santa he was the um store manager in bad santa well before that and by the way if you guys haven't seen bad santa that's absolutely i think the best holiday movie ever um i missed it last year i didn't watch it last year i gotta watch it twice this year to make up for that <laughs> but um he died shortly after that but he was on this long-running sitcom with suzanne summers who you guys may know is the thigh master lady now and then joyce dewitt was the third and they lived together but the manager didn't like them living there so they had to they had to pretend that he was gay and so but he wasn't he was super straight um anyway and so oh your local crack baby yes, knows yeah. who they are Oh, Gremlins is the best Christmas movie. You know what? I haven't seen that since it was in the movie theater. I got to go check that one out, El Guapo. Um, I have not seen it since I was a teenager and that one came out. But um, what else should we chat about, Dominic, or should we just let everybody out of class early today? I think anything else that we Do we have anything with? else? What's that? Oh, I have one other thing I wanted to talk about. Of course you do. I knew there was, there was a pause long enough. <laughs> Freaking... <laughs> paypal man uh did you guys did you see what paypal did this week yeah i mean part of me wanted to read that and went that can't be what they really mean right and i i but then i'm seeing more and more of it so it's uh it's kind of an interesting they're down two percent to almost three percent today um yeah so for those of you who missed it um basically paypal published the terms of service that then they try or a uh, um accepted use permit that allowed them to define, to withdraw 2,500 from your account for each incidence of misinformation and um, that's come out or any hate speech or I forget what it was. And then they tried to walk it back when they understandably got torched for it. And look, I hate PayPal. I always have, um, although oddly enough, full disclosure, I use Venmo um, weekly. So, um, cause I have certain people like I have an employee who just wants to get paid on Venmo. Um, the lady who drops my meals off wants to get paid on Venmo. My wife wants to get the money for the mortgage on Venmo. So I still use them, but yeah, PayPal published this terms of service and then, you know, tried to backpedal it. Oh, that's not what we really meant. And the hilarious part is they sent me the email telling me, cause I guess I still have an account with them. Oh, hey, we published our new acceptable use policy. Please go check it out. And you can't even, I mean, how many lawyers and corporate execs had to review that before they published it? And then they're trying to push it off like, oh, whoops, our bad. No, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, come on, guys. If you hadn't sent the email and then I would be, I would be very, I would be like, yeah, right. Maybe some, you know, overzealous intern got carried away. But um, yeah, and your local crack babies pointed out that JC Morgan Chase dropping um, yay. And what's so funny is they kept Jeffrey Epstein. So a, a human trafficker was perfectly fine with them keeping him, but yay says something they don't like and they're going to drop him. So man, you know, and, and Lizzo came out that she doesn't make music for white people. She only makes it for non-white people guys. I'm going to have a book coming out in the next few months. And not only do I not care what color you are when you buy my book, 
I would like you to buy two copies of it, actually. <laughs> and you know what? Black, purple, green, white, yellow. I don't care. Just buy my book and say good things about it. And if it sucks, tell me. I'll make the next one better. Anyway, I don't get what these companies are doing. This, this shit needs to end. Yeah, it's definitely so a little enjoyed- strange. I feel like there might be more to that JP Morgan Chase story, to be honest, because uh, there's some interesting, I did read on that one, some other stuff that he had done and he's come out with and said, and I think they just, that was more of a final straw than necessarily a judgment on him. But yeah, you bring up a great point around some of the <clears throat> stuff that goes on. Obviously, I'm, I'm a big, you know, how many, how many uh, Charger games did we bump Kanye graduation day or 808s and heartbreak uh that we uh which are two of the best hip-hop albums of all time you can fight me on that one if you want but uh they're awesome and uh no i meant the audience i know you like them but i mean how many times did we (laughs) we bump that uh, at at charger games Uh, he's a he's incredibly talented oh well yeah dre's 2001 is still one of my all-time i was actually listening to that yesterday we had a student who has um we have a student who uh, USC wants them. If your life was a soundtrack, you know, what song is the soundtrack of your life? I'm like, Dre gave him a bunch of money. You need to tell him my life is like a soundtrack. I, I wrote to the beat straight rap, like Cali weed. I smoke till I sleep. I'm like, that's what I tell him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah to, the chronic album is definitely on the list. And the mom's sitting there and greatest. looking at me and I'm like, Hey, it's Dre. Come on, that's a, he gave him a bunch of money. They should get that. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some there's some great ones. We could we could almost close the show out just talking about great albums of that genre. But uh, yeah, I'm a big Kanye fan. I think he's crazy. He's he's just absolutely a nut job. But he is unbelievably talented. But you know, that's sometimes like you see that. Like, I'll t- I'll tell you something really interesting about Kanye that I like. Um, first of all, I had no idea what he was doing with Kim because. Anyway, um, but Kanye, what's interesting is I, we saw, were you with me that? No, no, no. We went to street scene that year that it was um, at Qualcomm's parking lot. So street scene was this, it kind of basically morphed over into Coachella. Coachella kind of killed street scene. But back before the Padres Stadium was in downtown San Diego, they used to have this um, kind of East Village was just kind of run down, a bunch of parking lots. And um you know, busted out windows. And so this promoter came in and would close out. Like, originally it was one street, two blocks. I was at the very first one. And I remembered I was down visiting San Diego with my grandparents. It was like 83 or 84. I was still in high school. And we're driving down and I'm like, that's X. And um, you know what? Your local crack baby says, let's talk about next time about how record labels really make their money. That would be fantastic. And actually I have some really good book recommendations for you um, on the music business. But anyway, so I'm driving by and I'm like, that's the band X. Hold on, grandma, grandpa, we got to pull over. And they were very good parents. So X is one of the original punk bands. Um, one of my favorite bands of that era still is. They still play and they still kill it. But so we jumped out and listened to it and then street scene became a thing and it grew to about 16 square blocks and they'd get great headliners and great side acts. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great event Then they moved the stadium in. And so they tried to push it over to Qualcomm's parking lot and eh, it kind of oh, worked, cool. but it wasn't really the same. And, we had a and good so time one year, time. yeah, one year we went and Snoop Dogg was there yeah, and was awesome. I caught Dominic trying to some guy next to him was hotboxing and Dominic was not complaining. And then I had to drag him away from Snoop Dogg to go see tool. But here's the point on this. 
that same year, the night before, I had taken my kids to see Kanye. Like, um, Yellow Card or something was playing. They liked them and a couple other bands. And it was all ages that night. So I took my kids. And Kanye got up and did a set with them that was one of the most terrible sets I've ever seen in my life. He was just rambling. And he, and he wasn't, like, high or anything. He just kept interrupting his own songs to talk about how great he was. And he got roasted for it. So uh, we left. We were just like, look, this guy sucks. He's the last act. Let's get out of here and be traffic. And they're like, yeah, he kind of, he wasn't very good. Well, then a couple of years later, he came back around and he was doing a lineup with Lupe Fiasco, um, NERD, Rihanna, and him. And the kids really wanted to go. And I'm like, he sucks. And they're like, no, let's go see. We want to see Rihanna. So I'm like, all right, let's go take him. Kanye took that criticism. And put on one of the best shows I had ever seen. He had a full orchestra and band under the stage. And then like a lifted stage that he looked like a moonscape that he kind of ran around on. And he put on a like 20 song set or 22 song. That was absolutely incredible. And I respected the hell out of that. Because he turned around, took the criticism, realized yeah, they're right. That wasn't subpar. Let me make this better. So Kanye simultaneously was one of the worst live acts I've ever seen and one of the best. And another time I'll tell you how my very sweet daughter, Jessica, who does our tax resolution, she kind of like pushed her way up to the stage and I could see there was lots of smoke around her. And I do believe that was the only time I've ever seen my daughter high because um, she came back and she's like, I'm so hungry and look at me dance. And I'm like, oh my God, your eyes, I feel weird. Oh my God. That's All awesome. right, Dom, do you have anything else to say for the I end was going to say, since you mentioned the, uh, if, if somebody, I will warn you adult content ahead of time, but somebody, you should Google uh, the roast of Alec Baldwin, uh, which actually has probably aged well. His daughter just absolutely rips into him. If you remember his like yelling at her, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, you're but, a little pig. But Blake Griffin uh, gets up and does a roast, which you would not suspect Blake Griffin Blake to be. Griffin? But he lobs one at Caitlyn Jenner that I will not repeat on here. But if you are at all, just think the whole thing about the Kardashians. And the Jenners and all that is just hilarious and comedy. Definitely go look up what uh, Blake Griffin said and he delivered it with wait. great timing about Kate, Caitlyn Jenner. But anyway, but yeah, no, I think it's been, been a fun show. We can definitely talk about hip hop albums. Actually, we probably between us know some record producers. It'd be interesting to uh, talk about uh, that, get somebody on here to chat about that. So maybe if we can't do it next week, we can do it sometime soon because that's, uh, that's a whole you fascinating industry. You know what? You know who we'll get? I think we'll get Nick Nanton on. He does Emmy winning documentaries now. But um, he was the guy, my homie, that I got to go to the um, Grammys with twice. Smart cat. He managed. He manages some artists. So we'll chat. We'll, we'll see. If, um, I'll shoot Nick a text. See if we can get him on the show. Awesome. So um, if he's not on a film shoot, I, I'm pretty sure we can get him. So, all right, guys, it was yeah. real. We'll do it again uh, next week. And uh, Dominic, I will chat with you later today or on Monday. And if and, you um, guys want to get back episodes, makemorekeepmoreshow.com. We drop these episodes, if all goes well, at 8 a.m. on Monday, 8 a.m. Pacific on Mondays. They drop the new episodes uh, or these episodes kind of cut, recorded. We actually have now intro music to that. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to check those out afterwards or catch up on any of the back episodes from the first two and a quarter seasons, uh, feel free to check it out there. 
Yeah, and bye, lovely, and bye, Dr. Tanisha. And uh, I'm going to go get ready for work and uh, blast some Dre 2001. I might even throw some Kanye in. Take care, nice. guys. Have a See great weekend. Bye.